transported back to 2011 in a yard behind a church in um, Miri, Malaysia, where people were getting baptized. And that's what I picture in my mind, um, was a group of people singing, I decided to follow Jesus as people were being baptized, which I know you do here. This is only my second time in this building. Uh, for many of you, this is a space where you've come for things like baptisms and renew services, singing and worshiping together or sharing meals together. Um, this is only my second time in this building. And as I was saying to Heather before, this is my second Sunday as your pastor. Um, some of you I've met already. Some of you I will meet and get to know. Um, some of you, I probably know some of your friends because I've been connected to the downtown community on and off through connections over the years. Um, I've been a pastor with the Meeting House since 2016 uh, in Oakville. Um, prior to that, I lived overseas and worked with an organization called Youth with a Mission, or YWAM. So that's what took me to Malaysia. That's what took me to Brisbane. I lived there for five years. Um, and prior to that, I was part of the Meeting House in Ottawa the year it opened. Um, so there's these really random Ottawa-Toronto Meeting House connections that I know different people who've been through both those spaces. And um, I became a Jesus follower in my late 20s, having grown up going to church in what I would tell people was like a church-going family. My grandpa was a pastor, but I really didn't want anything to do with Jesus or the church. Um, so my background is actually in journalism. I went to school for uh, communications and media and broadcast television. Uh, so my career prior to becoming a Christian, it's not like career and Christian are counter to each other, but my career prior to becoming a Christian was I wrote for uh, television news. So I worked at CTV, CBC. I know these streets in downtown Toronto very well, having interned and worked here, worked in Toronto, worked in Ottawa. Um, worked at CBC on Parliament Hill as well. So there's, while I've not ever lived in downtown Toronto, I know the city well. Um, I'm the 16-year-old version of me who took the GO train in from Oakville with her friends and walked Green Street. And I joked with the group that was here on, on Saturday or Sunday last week that like, I don't know if the condom shack is still there, but I do know that there's like a really erotic waffle place nearby. <laughs> so I don't, under I don't know. But um, Queen Street is as I remember it. Uh, you know, Steve's music is still there. And when I saw people wandering around on Sunday night uh, last week, I was like, oh, I would have worn that outfit when I was hanging out in downtown Toronto because everything old is new again. So um, I'm glad to be part of this community. And I, th I think that's what I want you all to hear from me is that although I was a pastor uh, in Oakville, at the Oakville Parish, and this past summer, I took a leave of absence from the meeting house, an unpaid uh, leave, and I pastored at a small church in Sobble Beach for the summer. Um, so I was serving there six weeks, uh, doing their Sunday services, preaching and teaching, and coordinating all of that, and then throughout the summer, running eight weeks of kids camp every day for eight weeks. Right, I hear, feel you, families. Um, but I, you know, I grew up doing kids camp, so it's something I'm familiar with. Um, and then, yeah, preached on occasion in the summer. But there were other guest speakers that came in and out throughout the summer months. So this feels a little bit reminiscent right now. This space right here to what I've been doing this summer. So I'm looking forward to, you know, us discerning together where this community is heading and what Jesus is doing in each of our lives and our families' lives and as a community, and recognizing as well 
that like some of the moving forward also is gonna require some like being sad and maybe grieving and maybe um, being pissed off at some stuff, even shaking our fist at God um, and at one another. <laughs> and that that's actually part of what it looks like to be an honest community and an honest family and friends and that I'm not afraid of any of that and neither is our God. Thank goodness. Um, I printed so many things but forgot to print our order of service. So that's the one thing that I'm just, you know, always having to go back and look on my phone. I started with um, a land acknowledgement off the top. Because, children, you probably know the answer. This Friday, you don't have school, right? Right? You don't have school on Friday? Oh, you do? Like September 30th, you have school? Oh, okay. Oh man, my illustration just fell. But it is a special day on Friday. Uh, we might wear orange, we might wear pins. If you are under the age of 12, can you tell me what is on Friday? Oh no, your hand was first. Orange shirt day, okay, is there another name for it? But yeah, Orange Shirt Day is one thing that we call it. And also, this is the second year that we are calling it the National Day of Truth and Reconciliation. So I get that you might not know that title because it's really long, and it's only the second year that we as a country are calling it that. But it's important. I mean, this could be totally like Q&A with the kids, <laughs> right? Why, why is it a special day? Well, we wear orange shirts because... Here, I'll let you... You keep answering because you didn't know the... So why do we wear orange shirts, young man? It is a long story. You can pick one part of it. Okay. There was a lady who back in the, don't remember the years, but when she was taken from her family to go live at one of the residential schools, her family member gave her an orange shirt. Does that sound familiar? And then so she went to her new school with the orange shirt but then they took the shirt away from her because she wasn't allowed to have her own stuff. She wasn't allowed to talk her own language. She wasn't allowed to talk about things that she used to do in her family and her culture. And we, as a country, like I said during the land acknowledgement, you know, before most of our families settled here, some of that happened. Before some of our families settled here, our indigenous sisters and brothers lived here, worked here, played here, had families here, lived differently than we do, but this is their home. And so we want to acknowledge that. And that as ambassadors of Jesus, part of that is that we do reconciliation. So the reason I also tie into that is part of our time together looking at scripture today uh, is going to be looking at this Jesus centricity and part of um, the way we live our lives. So there's a First Nations concept called Wendigo. And essentially, it's considered an evil spirit, and sometimes it's depicted as a creature with human-like characteristics, which possesses a human being. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. That's a good face. <laughs> um, but what this spirit does, it invokes feelings of like an insatiable hunger 
or greed. So the First Nations people would say that when this spirit comes upon a person, they're greedy, they're selfish, they want everything for themselves, they take more than they need. But we, as followers of Jesus, would say, whoa, 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 no, I'm all about simplicity. That is one of the core to our Anabaptist faith, is that I don't need to take more than I need. There's more than enough for all of us. How do I share what I have? How do I use my abilities to love and serve people? So the reason this concept came about, that was actually used as a term to describe the settlers who came before most of our family lived and worked and played here, but that this Wendigo spirit lived inside the settlers. And the First Nations people were like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're taking a lot more than what you need. What is happening? And so we have an opportunity to repent. So not just say, oh, I'm sorry, but we have the opportunity to live differently and show our friends and our family. And if we have friends and family who are part of the First Nations community, say like, this is not the way it's meant to be. So simplicity, peace, and peacemaking, saying it is okay to die for what you believe in, but not to kill for what you believe in. And Jesus being super central, I mentioned earlier, to our Anabaptist faith. And I said the month of September has been that for our broader church community, looking at these central parts of who we are as Jesus people. And today we're going to spend a bit talking about simplicity, but we're going to spend a bunch of time, too, praying together. And um, don't worry, kids, if you don't have, like, a coloring sheet from the back, we're all, like, going to color together, even the grown-ups. So it's going to be great. Oh, someone's happy. Great. <laughs> Would you pray with me? Father, Son, and Spirit, thank you that you are one and you are good. You are true. We can trust you as being faithful that where people or systems have fallen short or hurt us, we know, God, that you are good. We just sang that. You are good, you're good, you're good. And you don't let us down. Holy Spirit, would, uh, as you are in this space already, help us to be aware of your presence. Help us to be aware of the ways you may be speaking to us to our hearts, like for ourselves, that there's something that you are saying, like this is for you right now. And also for us as a collective, these faces in here represent a group of people who love you, want to love each other well, want to love the people in their city well, want to raise their kids well, want to interact with people at work well, to reflect you. Jesus, thank you that you are at the center of it all. Amen. There are Bibles up front if you would really like a Bible. Um, maybe you have an app with you. There's a bunch of stories that Jesus tells, or there's things that he's involved in that we read about in the Gospels. And that's where we're going to hang out is in the Gospels. So if you are in a Bible, you're going to like go to the middle of your Bible and then turn to the right. Do you want a for real Bible? Front row friends? Yeah. <laughs> um, anybody else want one? Awesome. Yeah, see? <laughs> Teaching you. <laughs> um, yeah, so open to the middle of your Bible, and you're going to turn then to the right. 
towards the Gospels. So there's a few stories I just wanted to highlight first. Stories of generosity and compassion. Maybe you've heard of these before. They might be new to you. In the book of Luke, there's a story of the rich young ruler where Jesus interacts with somebody and says, here's how you follow Jesus. Here's how you follow me. Uh, there's also the story where Jesus interacts with Zacchaeus, who's a tax collector, who kids, I don't know if you remember, or kids of all ages, tax collectors were like, boo, back in the day. Yeah, they were boo. We didn't like them. Because they were not honest the way they did their work. And then also in the book of Luke is the story of a widow. So a woman who's by herself at the temple and there's a way that Jesus talks about what she is doing. So all stories of generosity and compassion. So I really actually like the version in Mark. So even though those three stories are all in Luke, we're going to flip to the Gospel of Mark. So it goes Matthew, Mark, and Mark 12 is where we're going. I almost want to get a kid to read this. Do you like reading out loud? No? Okay. <laughs> So Mark 12, starting at verse 41. So it's right towards the end. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the other people. They all have given out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Three short verses with a lot in there. So we see that Jesus is hanging out at the place where they're basically hanging out and worshiping God. So kind of like we are right now. Um, and Jesus sees what's happening as they're, I mean, we're not, we don't have a donation box for ourselves here, but there is a donation box at the back for this church um, hanging on the wall right where Sheila is sitting. <laughs> um, I don't know who that goes to, but, you know, it's giving money to the work that God is doing, and we would hope that that money is being used in a good way. Hey? Um, and Jesus is watching this space because earlier in this same story, he's sort of like, I don't know if the money that's being given to the temple is being used in the best way possible. And so he's seeing all these wealthy people putting money into the offering or into the treasury, or I think there's other ways that it's called in different versions, like the place where they stored the money or like the bank. And he's saying, whoa, all these rich people are putting stuff in there, but look at this widow. And widows in the time of Jesus, were considered among like the lowest of the low people. They didn't have any status in society unless somebody was there to take care of them. Um, they often had to um, beg and ask for support from other people if they didn't have anything, if there was nobody from their family or their, their passed away husband's family who was willing to take care of them. They may have been considered the lowest of the low in society. And Jesus is saying, hey, whoa, look what she just did. She took what she had, and she gave that to the work that God is, God is doing. The amount here, as a reminder, is like not the point, <laughs> right? The point is actually like what's in our heart. 
And prior to this, Jesus is looking at some of the people in the church and saying, like, oh, your heart's really gross. Well, at the temple, not at the church, at the temple, saying, your heart's really gross. Like, you're doing stuff for God, but your heart's pretty gross while you're doing it. You're doing it so that you get praise from other people. You're doing it so that you have status in your society. You're doing it so that um, you feel good about yourself. Yeah, altruism, not a bad thing. There's studies that say, like, we feel better when we do things for other people. That's not a bad thing. But as Jesus followers, we would want to say, well, I do it. I give. I do these things. And this is what Jesus is hoping the people in the first century are doing, too. I am doing these things because my heart is just exploding with joy and love and praise and worship for who God is. And that just can't happen but spill over in the rest of my life. So why give, why serve, like anyone can do it. And it's hard to tell from the outside why somebody might be doing those things, right? Unless you get to know them and talk to them. But, um, spoiler alert, which I don't love, that God knows our heart. <laughs> he knows my motivation. He knows why I'm doing things. Even if I'm tricking myself and telling myself I'm doing it for a good reason, he knows there might be that little icky part inside of me that's like, oh, no, Lisa, that's actually pretty selfish. Or that's pretty, pretty not fair. It's not always that case, but sometimes it is. And this is not like to shame anybody. Sure as heck not shaming myself. But it's like, wow, how much do I need God to help me have the right motivation? I mentioned that I lived in Brisbane um, when I was with Youth of the Mission. And 2011, um, earlier that year, is when you may remember there was massive flooding in Queensland. Um, you were not born yet, were you? Yeah. So you don't remember. Um, most of us were born in 2011. So yeah, 2011, there was massive flooding in Queensland. Um, I lived in a suburb up on a hill away from the Brisbane River, um, away from the coast. And after like days and days and days and days of rain, it was this gloriously sunny day. But there was a high tide plus a king tide at the same time and all of this rain that had nowhere to go. So like two suburbs over, or like two neighborhoods over, um, schools were being filled with flood water. Houses were being filled with flood water. But I was in this neighborhood on a hill, like away from the river, and it was a gorgeous day. So weird. I talked to a friend who lives in um, Newfoundland. He lives in central Newfoundland. And he's like, yeah, it's like windy and rainy here. This was yesterday. It's windy and rainy here, but it's not too bad. But it's weird to think that like a three-hour drive away people I might know are losing their houses right now. I don't know if, you've, if you have yet to open a news app, um, there's been massive flooding and um, houses swept away into the ocean in Newfoundland um, after Hurricane Fiona. I was gonna say Flora, Fiona. Yeah, and then we, during that week after the flooding in Queensland, um, for those of you who may not know about Youth of the Mission, it's basically like, hey, there's something to do in the community. Who's going to do it? Cool, a bunch of young people. Let's go do it. Um, I was in my late 20s at the time, so we all like got our gum boots on, rain boots, and then went and met at a school that had been flooded and shoveled muck out of first floor classrooms that had been flooded. Um, and their water line was like up past the door and had been marked with a line. If we had a projector, I would maybe have shown you a picture but I think my visual illustration is good enough, right? So, but why do these things? I remember a pastor sharing at my church in Brisbane, and he was like, yeah, I went to this one neighborhood, and we were helping clear up, like, people's houses, and, like, these bunch of um, uh, 
Fijian guys showed up. And it was like, awesome, Polynesian guys. They're really massive. They can help lift things. They're like super pumped. And it was like, oh, what's it like? They're, and then it turns out like some of them were Mormon. Some of them were like Seventh day Adventists. And it's like, okay, so they're not Christians like we might want to, but like, okay, they're still coming and doing these good things. And oh, this guy and his brother, they drove up from Sydney to Brisbane. That's a 10 hour drive. Drove from Sydney up to Brisbane to help clean up these neighborhoods that were dealing with flooding aftermath of flooding. And it's like, oh man, like why are you guys here? This is amazing, you have such a good heart. I don't know, I figure someone would do it for me. Cool, cool, are you guys Christian? No, I just figure someone would do it for me, so I just drove up too. So we all have different reasons for why we might do something. But we as Jesus followers want to be able to say, I would hope that we would want to be able to say and be able to show with our lives, hey, the reason I'm doing this is because Jesus loves the snot out of me. And I usually don't deserve that kind of love and that attention and that grace and that forgiveness. But man, God loves me. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Let that be true for the way you experience a relationship with Jesus. I joked that I like to sing. Everything becomes sing-songy. So if you've grown up in the church, you know, they will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. They will know we are Christians by our love, right? Um, but that's not always the case. <laughs> our love is often hard to tell. If you have to explain to somebody, like, hey, I love you. Can't you tell? Probably not love. So our love for God ought to be a way that people know who we are. Our love for one another ought to be a way that people know who we are and who we follow. And Jesus gives us a huge hint as well. He's telling his disciples, so the 12 people who've been following him, or 11 people who've been following him all along, and this larger group of people, just before he goes to heaven, he says to them in the book of Acts, and I love this line, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So two pieces. He's prior, he's telling them, wait. He's saying, like, don't rush. Don't go anywhere. Wait till the Holy Spirit comes. Because we can rush ahead of ourselves. We can rush ahead of God. Or we can lag behind him. But his spirit, who is always with us, is helping us walk in step with what God is doing and walk in step with the relationship with people around us. And you will be my witnesses. Not like you might be on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you'll be a witness. <laughs> but don't worry, you get Saturdays off. No, like wherever you go, whatever you do, and we know this, people if, see the way you act, the way you talk, the tip you leave. I'm like speaking to myself here. <laughs> um, the garbage I put on the ground or pick up. The person I cuss out or lift up. And the person may never know, like the people that I see on like my day-to-day -day activity, they may never know I'm a Jesus follower. But if they did, I would want them to be like, oh, well that makes sense. And not for like negative reasons. <laughs> oh, that makes sense, you're a Christian, because you're mean, hateful, impatient, Poor tipper, leave tracks instead of tips. No, like, I don't, that's not the kind of, when, when someone says, oh, you're, you're a Christian, that makes sense. I want it to be for the reasons, and I would hope that we would all want it to be for reasons like, oh, they are just full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. 
because there's no rules about that stuff. No rules about that stuff. It's what lives in us if we say that Jesus lives in us and among us. So this widow who's living really simply, she's giving to the faith community. And all along, the Jewish people have been told, you're supposed to take care of widows. In the book of Isaiah, throughout the Mosaic law. But a lot of the people had forgotten what it meant to live simply and to give generously what it meant to show up, or as Sheila, she gave this great word last Sunday when we were praying and listening to God about this community. She said, it's time for us all to get out of the back seat and ride shotgun. (laughs) So even if you don't want to be in the driver's seat, at least pull up and say, call shotgun, and be willing to drive in the passenger seat and help with what God is doing in this church community. Maybe we can remember it with three simple T's, our time, our talent, and our treasure. How can we live simply so that we can give to God's kingdom generously of our time, our talent, and our treasure? And please hear me say this, like, everyone is at a different space of their life, have different circumstances happening, have different health needs, family needs, job needs. So to say I can give 100% in every area of my life, will burn you out (laughs) and make you, uh, and has made me bitter in other times of my life Um, and angry at an organization because I'm like, I got to give 100% in all of these areas and do it all at the same time. We can do it all, just not all at once. So we have to pick and choose. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. We say, God, like, what is it in this season that makes sense for me, my family, my commitment to my church? Uh, my commitment to the other charities I'm involved in. So that's serving. Love that. Ride shotgun. We had post-it notes on the wall back there of like words that we felt like God was saying to our community. Radical hospitality. What does it mean to invite people, to welcome people in? It might be welcoming people here, but it definitely is us welcoming and being welcoming presence wherever we go in the city. Our school, playground, all that stuff workplace, subway. Having our eyes to see opportunities, which may be considered an inconvenience, but as that, an opportunity. And I think that that's compassion. What does it mean for us to like inconvenience ourselves, to, pres- to be able to like say yes to opportunities where God is saying, yeah, go, go love your neighbor, go love your cousin, <laughs> go love the person down the street, or receive love, receive care, receive that opportunity to receive God's love. And then this piece that sort of talking about today in terms of the widow, that we are stewards of the things that God has given us. We're not really owners. And this building's a perfect example of that. We don't own this building, but we get to use it. Um... Thanks to Ian, who came from Central Operations to set up our tech equipment for the first time in this building that is now going to be our home for this next year, at least. Um, We get to store some of our tech equipment here in this, I can't say it, Sankistry, whatever, the place where people get ready to get baptized, (laughs) I think. So we get to store some of our tech equipment here. We get to, you know, like... um, 
there's like bins like this in a van and it's not like the giant, for those of you who've been part of a setup team in the past, it's not the giant big black rolling cases. There's like five or six bins like this, which means setup happens a lot fast. I pulled them all out today by myself. <laughs> and I've done the rolling carts before. I was the interim pastor in Brampton at one point and having served in Ottawa as well, um, did Kid Max when I was in Ottawa. I know what those rolling bins are like. I have been terrified that I'd lose a toe many times. Um, so the fact that we can just pick up small, clear plastic bins and then we are ready for church, holy guys, that's amazing. That's so great. So there might be questions about like why this space, do we want to stay here? Well, we can't, we've signed an agreement. So yeah, we are here for a year. Uh, but there's like so many little good pieces along the way of like why this space seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit, as we hear even throughout the Gospels, right? Like, there's practical reasons why this makes sense, but my goodness, like I said, you can see the CN Tower through that back arched window. How beautiful. Um, I've met Gregory twice now, the last two Sundays, who sleeps right here and sets up his cardboard and his bag and his sleeping bag, and if it's raining, he sleeps under the archway across the street. Like, there are opportunities right here and we literally just moved up the street. Like, you can still see Scotiabank, right? <laughs> if you're there. Who parked at Scotiabank today? Anybody? Awesome. There are parking vouchers for you, if Sheila did not give that to you already. So, yeah, there are. Like, we can still park there and walk here. But, like, it's so close. So, there is change, but there's also a lot of familiarity, which I hope is a bit comforting. And I know many of you have lots of questions some of you have already asked me, like, oh, is this person still on, on service, on the team here? Is this person still a coordinator? Is this person still volunteering? And in some of those cases, the answer is no. They've chosen to leave, not just the downtown community, but they've chosen to leave the meeting house. And that's why I took a leave over the summer, because I didn't know if I wanted to stay. So I get it. I totally get it. And that we have questions about, like, what's it going to look like? And in six months from now, and in a year from now, and, like, what about my kids? And I want them to have, like, a set place where they feel really secure and concrete. I, I hear all those things, and I know all those things, and I lament with you that it seems uncertain. Um, but I do trust that Jesus is in it all. Now, our kids um, this past month, this month, in KidMax, have been looking at the life of Joseph, I don't know if any of you have been watching Kid Max, but P.S., you've been learning about Joseph. So there, um, the, some of the coloring sheets are about Joseph. There's like bookmarks that grown-ups or kids can take from the back table, and it says, like, God, what do you want for my life today? Because Joseph is told, like, all these dreams of, like, things that are going to happen in his life, and the people around him are like, you're, you're nuts. <laughs> bad dream, bad idea. And years and years and years later, like decades later, some of this stuff comes to pass. And so the big idea for this week, no, week two, week two, so back a couple weeks, week two for kids this month was when God gives us a dream, he will see it through. I want that to be true for me. I want that to be true for all of us. You know, we're not in grades one to five or in SK, but the same truth that is true for our young friends is true for us, regardless of our age, that when God gives us a dream, he will see it through. 
So we're going to take some time. Like I said, we're going to color together if you want. There's markers at the back. Um, there's some coloring sheets at the back that have the big idea on it. Um, I have markers here if you just want to stay up here at the front. But we're going to do this while I pray, and we're going to sing a song together at the end as well um, in Christ alone to wrap up our time together. Um, and then I'll have a few announcements, and then we'll enjoy coffee and whatever Sheila baked. <laughs> yeah, clap for that. It was still warm when she brought it. There was steam coming out of that thing. So we will <laughs> sing, color, like, um, like Jenny even sort of said before we started singing before, like you don't have to stay in your spot. Feel free to get up and move, walk around. I can't stand still, as you saw. I was pacing back and forth up here. Um, but yeah, there's coloring stuff here. There's coloring stuff at the back. And so that's just how we're going to wrap up our time in this gathering, in this worship space, and then we'll spend time having coffee and snacks together. Would you pray with me? And then we will sing. God, I'm struck by the line in the prayer that you teach us how to pray. That we, you desire for us to pray that things would be on earth as it is in heaven. As Toronto, as it is in heaven. As in this space at St. George, as it is in heaven. And I already listed like all of those, um, all of those things that ought to pour out of us when we allow you and your spirit to fill us and overflow in our lives. And that there's no rules about those things. Because rules can get us trapped in being like, can I, can't I, do I, don't I? And you say there's no rules about those things that are love and joy and peace, et cetera, et cetera. So I pray over my friends in this space that by your spirit, there would be an overflowing of that love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, et cetera, et cetera. Because like we have been singing and like we've been talking about, you are good, you are faithful. You don't fail us, even if things around us look uncertain. Thank you that there is an opportunity if we keep ourselves aware to what you are doing. Yeah, and would you be glorified, too, as we sing and as we drink coffee and tea and eat food and hear about each other's lives? Would you be glorified? Amen. <laughs>